Volume Two, Chapter Ten of *The Rebel Rose* by Justin McCarthy and Rosa Campbell Prade. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Ten, I hope our roads may never part. After a little while, the party broke up. Only two or three of the men lingering downstairs, lighting their cigars and drinking seltzer water champion took saxon's arm and in his impulsive imperious friendly manner led him into a room opening off the hall which was in fact lord saxon's study come here he said i want to talk to you champion flung himself on a couch and pulled forward a chair in which saxon seated himself more deliberately saxon had one thing on his mind one only just then i wonder how these things get into the papers saxon said it's rather annoying don't you think what things things about your getting up some scheme or other in alliance with tressel lord saxon got the words out slowly and evidently was under the influence of strong emotion as to schemes saxon a man in my position must keep always looking forward to the future it is out of the question that things could always remain stagnant as they are english political life is not a marsh or a dyke no of course not i quite feel all that with you quite and you know that i want to follow wherever you give the lead if i possibly can i never could doubt your loyalty and comradeship my dear saxon no if i'm good for anything i'm good for that but it is rather annoying when fellows like nornside go about telling one of great schemes got up by one's leader and one's party of which one has never heard a word oneself you can have the most absolute trust in me saxon i shall take no decided step in anything without consulting you i shall mature no scheme without having your judgment on it then you are thinking of something thinking of many things i have to think of many things why our party has to be literally recalled to life it is inanimate all but inanimate its lungs must be filled with the breath of a new life you see that i am sure yes i see that saxon answered in a rather depressed tone i see all that but i want to know what is going to be done before i am asked to do it surely you can have no doubt on that point well that is all i want i think champion i am entitled to expect that much i hope i shall see my way to go in any direction just as far as you want to go i am sure i shall see my way but i am slow and i want time to think things over i haven't your inspirations and i like to talk matters out a man champion said evasively has to act sometimes on a sudden impulse and trust to the confidence of his colleagues to understand him and his reasons and to go with him even if perhaps they are taken by surprise at the moment yes yes i admit all that when a thing has to be done on the moment and won't keep but that's different and then all the man's colleagues are in the same boat and nobody can complain champion made no reply at the moment indeed the duke of nornside coming up with some question gave him an excuse for not replying but the impression on saxon's mind was one of deepening uneasiness he could not help thinking that something was going on which was kept from his knowledge 
not purposely kept he still hoped and believed all could be explained satisfactorily in the end no doubt when the right time came but meanwhile he felt perplexed and distressed while champion was talking with the duke he made a gesture to saxon not to move away presently the duke had lighted his cigar and said good night he was free again and able to continue the conversation perhaps champion had not been sorry to have an opportunity of thinking over things he could think over things very keenly even in a moment and even while he was talking with someone whose concerns did not come into his thoughts every stranger man or woman who got a few moments talk with champion could tell of something delightfully interesting that he said and tell of the fluency and earnestness with which he had said it those who knew champion pretty well knew that he generally poured forth this easy conversational eloquence in order to give himself time to think of something entirely different and in which he felt a genuine interest that man is a bore saxon bluntly observed they were quite alone now all the men had gone champion resumed his seat on the couch and lord saxon after carefully closing the door came back and threw himself into the armchair champion laughed no no i didn't find him so do you know i don't believe i ever met a bore every man has his uses i wish i could find that so saxon said wait till you come to forty years saxon i am not far off forty years saxon answered not appreciating the reference to thackeray's ballad by jove i mayn't perhaps ever get there all the same how do you mean champion asked in great surprise well i have been looking up scarfield to-day you know him of course and he's been looking me up and he says i must be awfully careful and all that and tells me things are looking rather serious i must avoid shocks and a lot of that sort of thing i have not said a word to my wife and i don't mean to just yet anyhow it would do no good the whole thing will probably come all right even he don't say it won't although he is a tremendous alarmist so i haven't told her i tell you champion because if ever i should seem to shirk political work you will know the reason why and you won't tell any one at that moment there was a rustle of silk in the vestibule the door opened and lady saxon appeared a radiant sultana carrying a bouquet and a large feather fan and with a soft furred wrap falling from her shoulders she glanced keenly from her husband to sir victor who had risen at her entrance i see that you are deep in politics she said i won't interrupt you i am going to my ball good night you are going to your ball lord saxon repeated mechanically his eyes fixed upon her he had risen too something in his expression and his manner struck josephine and thrilled her with a vague uneasiness she looked again at champion his bland smile reassured her we have been discussing bores he said and i have been insisting to saxon that i do not find even the duke of nornside a bore when he talks politics allow me and he helped her to adjust her cloak good night she said again no don't come out with me good night saxon unless i should find you up when i come back i shall look in here meantime i leave the destinies of europe in sir victor's keeping and yours lord saxon went out with her to the carriage 
he seemed unusually solicitous about her to-night when he came back champion exclaimed impetuously and with real feeling but my dear saxon what you have told me is alarming you must have rest you must not take any trouble or thought about anything oh well there is no need for being so careful as all that saxon replied with a smile i have no doubt i shall pull through all right and i don't want my wife to be frightened she has not a notion that i am in the least out of health he was silent for a moment and then he added in a burst of frankness much out of keeping with his odd shy reticence things would be different with my wife if anything were to happen to me while the duke was alive and if i shouldn't leave a son behind me i've been thinking all day what a pity it was my poor little two days old chap didn't live yes it was a pity champion could well understand that he had good reason to suspect that owing to the peculiar circumstances of saxon's marriage the old duke had a great deal in his power and that though under any contingencies lady saxon's income was of course secure her settlements were not so magnificent as would have befitted a future duchess of athelstane married in the regular and orthodox way the childless widow of the heir presumptive with no prospect of reigning even as a sort of regent and no special claim upon the younger brother who would be head of the house would certainly find things very different these thoughts ran through champion's mind but he only said my dear fellow you must not think of such a terrible possibility as you say scourfeld is an alarmist doctors always are it is their trade how many of them have predicted the same sort of thing for me myself and even he tells you all will be right well that's how it is said saxon slowly and i think that was one reason why i wanted to know something about what you were going to do i should like to act with you and to follow you as long as ever i could champion paused for a while he was really much shocked by what lord saxon had told him he knew that saxon was neither an alarmist nor a hypochondriac and he assumed that saxon had rather minimized than magnified the seriousness of his condition he felt a pang of conscience at having kept all his project from saxon thus far although he still believed he had good ground for the course he had taken but he knew that he must say something now he must tell something not too much well saxon i have for a long time as i think you already know been turning my attention to the question of reforming the house of lords so as to make it a real living institution and put it in harmony with the spirit of the times i am convinced that this can be done as a genuine reform not as a work of destruction but i also confess to you that i do not as yet quite see my way to the precise scheme of reform which i should like to submit to your consideration it is of little use talking over mere abstract propositions especially between men who like you and me are i hope pretty well agreed as to principles i hope so i hope so saxon said eagerly i am sure of it i am for reform not revolution and so of course you would naturally be i am now telling you the direction my thoughts have long been taking but i may tell you more 
i have been lately coming to think that this must be the next great reform yes the next i acknowledge that i have advanced to that point but the principles of the scheme of reform now i wish you would think over them think over them carefully deeply at your leisure and i do hope we shall agree lord saxon's mind was greatly relieved he believed that he was now in full possession of the confidence of his friend he thought he could easily understand how the mere fact that champion was thinking over such a scheme had found its way into the perceptions of others and got crystallized by the breath of rumor into the form of an actual scheme already made i tell you this at once he said i will think the whole thing over and with a sincere wish champion to be able to help you in your work i will go with you as far as ever i can fairly see my way and i hope our roads may never part i do indeed i think we understand each other saxon sir victor said and then for a second time his conscience smote him but he reduced it to quiescence and even to acquiescence very soon saxon is an overgrown schoolboy he said to himself with the schoolboy's pluck and a good deal of the stolid capacity for dealing with simple subjects which belongs to some of our public schoolboys he must not be told all until the fighting time marat himself would not expect to be told long in advance when his cavalry were to move and where this illustration seemed to him effective and it contented him but to do him justice he was far from content with what he had heard about saxon's state of health there was a curious tradition in the family of the duke of athelstane that the eldest son succeeded in two generations but never in the third and the duke of athelstane had succeeded his father and his grandfather lord saxon represented the fateful third generation nothing more was said between lord saxon and sir victor champion that night sir victor was on the whole not dissatisfied with what had happened he would have preferred to keep all his plans unknown to saxon until the moment should come when in his opinion it would be expedient to take him into full confidence but as apparently this could not quite be done he thought things had on the whole turned out very well and that he had played his cards cleverly which it always pleased him to think lady saxon came home comparatively early from her ball and she looked into her husband's study as she had promised she found him there alone sitting in the same moody and meditative attitude as when she had interrupted the talk between him and champion she went up to him and bent over him placing herself on the arm of his chair the perfume of the fading flowers she carried the rich sensuous atmosphere that surrounded her seemed to envelop and partially intoxicate him he made a little passionate movement and leaned back against her his head resting upon her bosom without speaking a word so he remained for some moments as she looked down upon the heavy flushed face with its thick red beard its drooping eyelids and rather coarse features the vision of another face clear-cut refined pale and all alight with genius and sensibility that eagle look the silky hair the magnetic influence which to her was so irresistible a wave of passionate determination swept her being yes every gift every allurement of hers should be turned to the service of this other man whom she loved 
she would crown him her king of men and afterwards his love she felt a certain hatred of her husband at that moment she could have thrust him from her with her beautiful firm arms which were so strong but she wound them round him more closely and she put her lips to his forehead well she asked and she could not hide the tremor of anxiety in her voice sir victor has gone he left half an hour ago and you were talking you did not talk about bores all that time has he told you anything fresh in politics any new scheme yes he has told me in vague terms there are no definite lines laid down as yet of his scheme for reforming the house of lords it will be the next great measure lady saxon drew a quick long breath he felt her bosom heave and her heart beat where his head lay it seemed to him that he could hear the heart-throbs loud and tumultuous you are excited he said i did not think you took so much interest in the constitution of great britain war-horse scenting the battle she answered my wild spirit thrills to the sound of the fanfare i am ambitious for you my husband you cannot be the leader but he is a great leader and i want your name to be written with his in history saxon did not answer except by a heavy sigh and you saxon she went on he was here to consult you i suppose to ask for your cooperation what did you say she caressed him again and he yielded to the caresses with a kind of stupefying enjoyment and as though he would willingly have let statecraft go by then are you in this with him i have promised that i would go as far as i could don't let us talk about it all now josephine after all it is only in the air a long way off why should you care so much i have told you oh it is grand it is glorious to see a general making ready for the battle to see a reformer willing to risk personal popularity even the break-up of a party for the sake of the reform saxon seemed to rouse at her words he moved releasing himself from her enfolding arms and turned half round facing her the break-up of the party he said slowly and with a disquieted look upon his face you must have misunderstood me the party is agreed upon principles it never could come to that it would come to the break-up of a party she said quickly if the progressive tories joined us oh bellarmine well i suppose champion is calculating on that don't let us have any more politics now josephine i am not in the mood somehow he leaned towards her again and put his head upon her shoulder and kissed her soft neck tell me that you love me he said seems an odd thing for a husband to want a wife to say when he is as sure of her as i am of you i suppose but i do want to hear you say it tell me that you love me josephine you know it so well she answered but if it pleases you to hear the words i will say them again and again i love you i love you and again i love you end of volume two chapter ten